The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. What's going on, everybody? This is BGN Radio, episode number 242. With me, as always, is Brandon Lee Galton of BleedingGreenNation.com. I'm Jimmy Kemsky from PhillyVoice.com. Just got back a couple days ago from the NFL owners' meetings in Palm Beach, Florida. Fantastic weather, good times. Spoke with Nick Sirianni, Howie Roseman, Jeffrey Lurie. Not in that order, but we got to speak with all three of those guys. Uh, so we have a lot of takeaways from the our interview sessions with them. But first, I think what we all want to hear about first is where we can find the best meat snacks on the planet. I think that's what people want to hear about, Jimmy, today. And it's April Fool's Day as we're recording this podcast. But Righteous Fell and Craft Turkey, let me tell you, is no joke. And the discount <laughs> savings you Boom! can get. Yeah. <laughs> it took me 30 minutes to come up with that one, baby. Uh com discount code BGN15 for 15% off your order. And also, uh, in the spirit of me watching my friend's dog, Duncan, uh, my friend is named Zach, uh, who might pop up on the podcast if he hears something and might have to bark just so you know, listeners, so you're forewarned. Um, we'll see if he's a good boy. He is a good dog, no matter what, even if he does bark. But if you're looking for dog treats like I could get for my friend Duncan here, I could go to wildnaturepet.com and use discount code BGN15 for 15% off those as well. So some great options available to you. But Jimmy, enough of that. We have a loaded show today. Yes. So let's get to, I guess, first of all, in segment one, we'll take care of sort of the on-field football stuff, and then we'll get to more of like the off-field I don't know if that's the right way to put it, but this more along the 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 Lurie, the Jeffrey Lurie uh, uh, interview session. We'll do that in segment two. But let's start with um, what they've been saying all along this offseason. They've pretty much quintuple downed on the idea that you know Jalen Hurts is their starting quarterback this year. Um, I, I believe it was Nick who even went as far as to say that they have demonstrated that with their actions. Hmm. And yet I kind of disagree with that they've demonstrated that with their actions, given that uh, they they've tried to trade for Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson. They just didn't have a situation there where either quarterback wanted to play for Philly. So you know, that kind of went nowhere. But um, they they continue to say this over and over and over again. And I don't blame them. I guess it makes the most sense for um, you know what what they 
are hoping to accomplish as a football team. They don't want to, you know, sort of uh, stir the drink there. They're going to say that he's their quarterback until he's not. So that's sort of where we stand there. Um, did you have any takeaways on their continued, I guess, I, you know, narrative uh, on that front? I didn't love that Lurie invoked the Josh Allen comparison when it came to Jalen Hurts, because mm-hmm. as we've talked about before, I just don't think that's a great one when you look at the fact that Josh Allen played like 25 college games or so, uh, 27, and Jalen Hurts played like 56 or so, like just a very like a vastly different um, experience level. Uh, also, but, I would but also say just the physical traits, the traits. Also, think about the level of coaching. Josh Allen's playing at Wyoming. Jalen Hurts is being coached by Nick Saban, and like you know, like Lincoln some, Riley. Yeah, right. Like some high-profile coaches. So I know, like a big point with Jalen Hurts has been he hasn't had the continuity, which I just think again we said the same thing about Sam Bradford and Alex Smith and countless other quarterbacks who kind of didn't light it up. Uh, necessarily earlier in the career, so I just don't think that means the world to me. But not really shocked by what they said. Uh, I guess one thing you might be able to point out about what Lurie said was like the exact two lines. He said, that's why we're committed to Jalen at age 23. And then he said, who knows what the future holds, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, so he kind of he kind of said that at the end, which isn't necessarily like the most uh, kind of uh, strongest form of commitment long term, at least, and you know that's. I think we all know what the deal is here. Jalen Hurts is the starter for this year, uh, and it'll depend on how he does this year. Yeah, I don't think we need to spend too much time on that. I only had that at the top of the show to to then get into the second point here, which is that they clearly don't want to employ a run heavy offense long term. I mean, I, I think all three, uh, you know, of Nick, uh, Jeffrey, and Howie, they all sort of I, Nick. Uh, to a lesser degree, I mean, he he basically stated that, you know, you can win running the ball, you can win passing the ball. And he's been involved in offenses that have won running the ball. And he's been involved in offenses that have won passing the ball. And, but ultimately, when he was sort of pressed on it, he was like, yeah, you got to be good at both. Like, you can't be the 25th ranked passing offense in the league because defenses are going to scheme to that and they're going to be able to shut you down eventually. Um, but uh, long term, I, I think it, they the three of them combined sort of made it clear that uh that, that they want to be able to throw the ball a lot more effectively than they did in 2021 um that you know they howie in particular noted that you know they he wanted to get more targets for Devontae smith uh dallas goddard to a lesser degree quez Watkins. in fact the numbers that they used for devon how many do you offhand remember how many targets Devontae had last year was it was it 106 something like that yeah it was over 100 but i forget whatever it was how he said he wanted to get him to like he's he didn't necessarily wanted to get him to 150 but he said you know typical number one receiver across the league is getting 150 targets so mm-hmm. Devontae's you know in the ballpark of like 40 short of, of that number he said you know the, the tight ends of dallas goddard's caliber are getting 120 targets per year goddard was right around 80 something i think so again you know he's falling well short of the number of targets that they'd like to get for him they mentioned quez Watkins. they didn't give a number for you know what uh, sort of a target number for him but they noted that his targets were, were probably down a little bit as well um so the bottom line here is if you want to get more targets for these guys yeah analysis here you got to throw the ball a little bit more to achieve that <laughs> so like and by the way when 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 Howie gave that answer about all the targets and everything he wasn't answering a question about do they want to be a you know do they want to pass more than they, they it was more of an answer to a question about the the notion that 
other wide receivers around the league don't want to play in Philadelphia because they are so run heavy. Uh, so he was trying to sort of um, shut down that notion to some degree where he like these guys have to get all these targets. So there may not be enough targets to go around for another incoming good wide receiver. Um which again doesn't even make any sense because right. he tried to get so many other receivers, like like guys like Christian Kirk and Allen. Certainly, Allen Robinson's going to require, you know, he's going to want to have the ball come his way. No, no question. Robert Woods, you know, my understanding they went after him. He's going to want the ball to come his way uh, a fair amount as well. So, uh, but the bottom line here is that he did say he was in lockstep with Nick in the idea that particularly Devonte and Goddard need to get more targets. And again, the only way that you can achieve that is if you pass the ball more. Analysis, like you said, uh, hashtag <laughs> yes. analysis. It's pretty obvious. I mean, how many times did we say last year that Devonte Smith, especially, not enough targets in the game, and part of that, yeah, is like you're running the run heaviest offense in the league, or at least one of them. So, yeah, I totally agree that, and it's just that that's always part of like my frustration with it. It's like okay, like you you have this kind of offense, and I think it maximizes the quarterback in Jalen Hurts, but it doesn't maximize the team and like in some of your best players on in the entire roster like in Devontae Smith in Dallas Goddard and I guess that's part of my frustration and also I don't know how much they're going to really be able to like do it this year like we, we've kind of talked talked about this before Jimmy like to what extent I know I agree that the Eagles want to do this ideally long term and we saw at the beginning of last year of course they want to pass the ball they've always done it last year was very much the outlier in terms of how much they did not pass the ball yeah. but like how was Jalen Hurts suddenly going to like get a lot better at passing the ball from last year to this year. Like you can say, okay, he's going to progress a little bit. Sure. But like to what extent? And then as you kind of pointed out too on Philly voice, like it's largely the same receiving core. I mean, maybe they add, you know, a rookie, maybe they trade for in Devonte Parker or Brandon cooks or like someone like that. But even so, I don't think that's night and day different um, from what they had last year. And some of the stuff was foreseeable in terms of like the targets being limited. That's why we said like Zach Pascal seems like a realistic free agent target because they're not going to spend probably premium resources or be able to necessarily attract a premium receiver because they're not going to come to this BS like offense that doesn't like throw the ball and already underutilizes some of their best passing options. So, um, so my question for you, I guess, is like, do you think they're how much pass heavier? Are they going to be this year? Well, I mean, if they if they want to win games, then they're going to have to run the ball like they did last year. <laughs> like, so they 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 have to sort of weigh the short term versus the long. Actually, here's here's how I'll put this. So, one of my favorite, uh, like you said, I wrote about this for 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 at, at Philly Voice or whatever. And when I tweeted out the article, one of the replies from at Papa Zulu eighty nine, <laughs> he responded, "So try and throw it for four weeks." Go one and three, yeah. get panned for not running it more, run it more, win some, debate hurts. Mm-hmm. Got it. <laughs> what, does like? what does that sound <laughs> yeah, like? What does that sound like? Which I replied, yeah, 2022 does have the potential to look a lot like 2021. Mm-hmm. So that he's probably right. Pa- Papa Zulu 89, I think, has got his finger on the pulse of uh, of where we're headed on this 2022 season. That's why I'm not really like it's, – it's hard. I feel like the excitement can – only be so much. I, I think the first round picks are obviously very exciting. Uh, I'll be intrigued to see Hassan Reddick. I'm not saying there aren't exciting elements at all, but that excitement gets capped at a certain point when you're kind of looking at the outlook of the team and it's like, well, kind of a lot of similarity to this past season here. Uh, so uh, I definitely think uh, that in, that answer was interesting to me from Howie. I don't know that 
I got what I got out of it was different than I think what he was trying to accomplish. Like what you were saying there, yeah, yeah, to kind yeah. of justify like receivers not wanting to come here. But I think that explained why they didn't want to come here. And I also think it was maybe not meant to be, but ultimately was a shot at Jalen Hurts and being like, "Hey, we need to pass the ball more in order to, you know, be not only just be a better offense, but also like get our best players on the team the ball more often." So hopefully that comes to fruition. And again, I agree that it is the vision. That is what they want to do, but I just don't understand how like realistic it is. I mean, I guess people maybe in their minds want to see more of a balance. Maybe there people are thinking like, okay, it'll be more like 50, 50 ish around there. Um, I just think again, to maximize Jalen hurts, it's got to be run heavy. I mean, look at Lamar. Everyone wants to compare Jalen hurts to Lamar. At least a lot of people do that and they post some numbers, whatever. And I think they're misleading. And I think Lamar is a better passer than Jalen hurts and just mm-hmm. generally and a better runner, more talented yeah. on the whole, but like the Ravens, except for last year, but like the, the two years before that, one of the heaviest run offenses in the NFL. So like, that's, yeah. that's that kind of style of quarterback. You're just not going to have, you know, these, he's not, they're not volume passers. So until I see it happen, I'm not going to just believe it. And Lamar stayed healthy for a little while, but he had some injury issues. Uh, and he's been horrendous year. in the playoffs, Jimmy. And yeah, he's been bad in the playoffs. And um, do you know his pass rating in the playoffs? We, what is it? 68.3. Well, I know, I know, I mean, we, we talked about, what is, what is it? 68.3. Oof. I mean, we've looked at their games in the playoffs, I think, previously on the pod. And the, the number, like the amount of points that they've scored offensively has been super low. Mm-hmm. And they've lost games where the, even their opponent didn't score many points. Like they were very winnable games. Uh, but again, he had like in, injury issues, which is always a concern for somebody who's going to, you know, run the balls as, as much as he does. Like, you know, take as many hits as he does. And we saw that last year with Jalen Hurts. Like he he injured his, his ankle and... First of all, the injury happened, so there's that. But then also, when he returned, he wasn't 100%, and he was sort of sapped of, you know, his biggest strength, which is, you know, being a threat. Hey, buddy. Settle down, Dunks. <laughs> he heard someone <laughs> in the hallway, so he's all uh, he's a, excited. He's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a Lamar Duncan. Jackson fan, I guess. Um, so, but anyway, yeah. um, so, I mean, so we, we saw Jalen Hurts sort of sapped of his of his greatest strength after, you know, he was sort of hobbled uh, by that injury. So that's a concern going forward, too. Um, let's move on to... Wait, I had one more defense. thing. On, oh, sorry, go ahead. Uh, that, but Duncan threw me off um <laughs> uh you were talking about what uh what were you talking about Jimmy? injuries so, inj- oh so uh, yeah on that point i don't think because a lot of people i think like to push back on uh that you know like the idea of running quarterbacks getting hurt and lamar hasn't been you know like digged up as even much as say carson wentz but to me it's not just about like running out in the open field and taking hits as much as a, a quarterback like lamar like Dylan hurts they hold the ball longer than any yeah, quarterbacks in the extend. NFL. Sure. So you're prone to taking sacks and hits in the pocket and elsewhere around the field. And I think that's an issue. Uh, and to that point, like Lamar, I think, has been sacked like a crazy amount of times in the playoffs, too, and in part because he's holding on to the ball. All right. Uh, so let's move on to uh, the Eagles' defense of their decisions to bring back uh, Fletcher Cox and Derek Barnett. But let's start with Barnett. Um Maybe you shouldn't say that he has a high football IQ. <laughs> Maybe the fan base isn't going to be on board with that, given the excessive, uh, you know, dumb personal foul calls that he's accumulated over time, and particularly in 2021, offsides penalties. What do you have? Eight penalties in 2021 versus two and a half sacks. 
um, you know, the argument that, uh, so that, that, that was said by Nick and, you know, poor Nick, he's putting, being put on, he's, he's not deciding to bring these guys back. Um, he did defend the resigning, of course, because he's, what else is he going to do? He's not going to you know, crap all over one of his own players, but he famously, of course, we could see him mouthing on TV. It's always him after one of his many penalties last year. Um, so who knows if Nick really wanted to bring him back or not, but he defended the signing, said he's, you know, this, that, and the other thing, great player. But he also noted that he's a, he's a high football IQ, which literally everyone and their mother is going to disagree with. Um, but from Howie's press conference, he, he sort of sold the idea that if Derek Barnett were on another team and you look at him, just, just his profile where he's 26 years old, he's coming off a down year, you know, that they might find some, um, some value in that, in that, or again, opportunity there Mm -hmm. to, to add a player that's maybe undervalued or something like that, except he was on your team. You know him extraordinarily well. And he actively hurt your team last year, like actively made you a worse football team last year, but also, okay, he's 26. He's been in the league for five years. And we, we, and we've mentioned this on the pod before, but he's not like a Josh sweat type where he had like these amazing athletic measurables. And, you know, maybe it took a little while for him to sort of uh, produce in the league. Uh, you know, he was, that's not his profile. Like he doesn't have those athletic traits and he was like a productive player in college and was thought to be a guy that would bang produce right away in the league because he had a, he had, you know, good experience in Tennessee, broke Reggie White's sack record at Tennessee, you know, was coming into the league. But so his ceiling isn't really like, I think we've seen basically what the best of him is going to be. He's not going to be substantially better. I don't think at this point in his career. So yeah, I didn't like that defense <laughs> personally of of Derek Barnett. And if you apply it, by the way, to uh, you know that same logic to Fletcher Cox, if you were to say, okay, well, if he were on some other team, yeah. would you would you be signing an eleventh year, thirty one year old player that's clearly in decline, has a huge snap count total over his career uh, for fourteen million for one year? No, it'd be cr- like people would look at that signing like that's an insane signing. But because he was already on the team, somehow it's accepted by. Uh, I just did. By the way, I just did yeah. it this You're morning. You're losing your mind over this. <laughs> I did it. I did a, 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 a an eagle like an eagles free agency grade roundup and the number of people that were praising this organization's release and then subsequent re-signing of Fletcher Cox is just mind-blowing like he first of all he's going to count for over 15 million on, on, on your cap in 2023 in dead money so he's already cost him 15 million whether whether you just released him didn't bring it bring him back or whatever then they resign him to a an equally dumb contract for 14 million for one year. So basically he's, he's on, he like, he's on your books. Now you have him for one year for like over 29 million. Um, and the idea that anyone is praising anything that even remotely related to Fletcher Cox is just mind blowing to me. Yeah. I don't get it. I think it's a good way to contrast the, those, uh, those re-signings ultimately by you uh, with Barnett. He's played 2,800 career snaps. So like, we have a pretty good sample size of what he is. I feel yeah. like five seasons in the NFL. Uh, this idea that like, you can't just, you can't take out the context if he's been on the team. That absolutely matters because if you were actually looking at a player of that profile, like how he's talking about who wasn't on your team, you can, might be able to talk yourself into being like, okay, we bring this guy in. It's a new coaching staff. It's a new city. It's a new 
uh, scheme, whatever. Like just different factors you could try to convince yourself. Change the scenery. Like maybe that could benefit him. Mm-hmm. And I honestly thought maybe that could benefit Derek Barnett if he went elsewhere. Maybe. But like that's not right. the situation. He's coming back to the same spot. The best thing I can come up with is like he'll have a smaller role. So maybe that could. I don't. I, but like I don't know. How's that going to help him? So I really just don't think it makes a ton of sense. And then for the Eagles to kind of throw it in everyone's face about how yeah about how he's a high football IQ. I mean, like, come on, man. You can't say that. <laughs> like, why would you say that, Nick? I think Nick does a good job most of the time. And obviously, I get he wants to gas up his own players. But yeah. like, like, come on. You can't do it like that, though. Uh, so He'd probably want to take a mulligan on that. I don't, I don't think he actually I, meant that. I he agree. He was just kind of rattling off whatever he hope, could positively I would, I would, about, I would, about, about, I think, anyway. I would hope, yeah, at least. Um, so, and yeah, then and Cox coming back. Yeah, it's almost it's probably underrated how bad of a move that is, at least clearly from a national perspective, the way you outlined it uh, in your piece for Philly Voice, that people think like it's a great deal somehow that they they got rid of him and then brought him back and signed him to this deal for 14 million dollars. And what did you say? It was like five. It's like how many more million is that than the next closest free agent defensive tackle? Yeah, so contract? Uh, the ne- the two there's three guys that got 10 million. Uh, one of them was. Um, uh, the guy on the Bengals who had a really good postseason, uh, they traded, uh, they traded, they got him for the Giants in a trade. BJ Hill, BJ, BJ Hill, yeah, BJ Hill, and then uh, the other guy was DJ Jones, who played for the Niners last year, had a good year, and uh, the yeah. third guy was um, the guy that played for the Jets. He probably got overpaid by the Jaguars oh, yeah. a little uh, bit. Fulukasi or something like yeah. that. Uh, he probably got overpaid at ten million. So th- those are three guys that that got ten million this year. But even if you went like a little bit lower than guys like that, you could have just signed like a mid-level guy mm-hmm. for six, seven, eight million maybe, and then that guy can just be your backup to Javon Hargrave and Milton Williams. Like, do we not think that Milton Williams can start? Is that the messaging here? Well, because on- as you mentioned before, it's it's the same thing that we went through with Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz last mm-hmm. year, where you y- you might be taking away snaps from a guy like Milton Williams who can really use extra time on the field and probably deserves to play because I thought he really flashed on the stretch last year. Well, one of the defenses to Howie's, at least from what I saw from what Howie said about like some of the free agency inactivity, was like, well, we have these ten draft picks. And we don't want to block our rookies from playing time. I mean, like that's garbage. You brought back Derek Barnett. Like, <laughs> right. I, is he going to be playing over that rookie edge rusher you draft? Because I feel like he might be, and I'm worried about. Yeah. And let's say, okay, he's not. <laughs> whatever. But Fletcher Cox is definitely going to be playing over. Presumably, you draft like Jordan Davis or Devonte Wyatt. Williams. Or, yeah, or end or just even if you don't draft anyone and you have Milton Williams on the team. So, like, again, how do you get younger if you're not actually playing the young guys? And so, I already don't love that. That just right. The, if you draft a safety, is is Anthony Harris now benched? Is he is he is he now a depth guy or is he starting? Yeah, and he might be. I, I saw his. He only. I think his contract ended up being like one million guaranteed. By the way, for Harris. So oh, is that okay? okay? He might not even make the team in theory. Like if you know the young guys ball out. But but yes, to your point, like that's something you kind of have to worry about. Jeff McLean, by the way, reported that Barnett is basically you know five five point five million for one year. Well, it's kind of, right? But sort of. There's a guarantee in the second year, uh, assuming he's on, I think, the, the roster, like the new. Right. You, so if he isn't, then, you're, you know, it's extra money for that. And there's an injury guarantee, and he gets hurt. So, like, mm-hmm. you know, it's not, I don't think it's as, I don't think it's an amazing deal. It's not like, oh, it's like a no-risk deal. Like, no, 
it absolutely there is risk to it and again even if it's the opportunity cost it's not just like the money it's like okay one year five million it's not a big deal okay it's one year five million and maybe you took away snaps from the rookie edge rusher you drafted like that's bad yeah i'd have liked to seen him sign somebody else obviously i think that's pretty clear but and and there were other guys that went free agency that didn't get a lot of money it changed and went from you know one team to another i'd rather have that guy over Derek barnett I mean, we, we've seen Derek Barnett, what he, what he is. Mm-hmm. Let's move on. You know, but they just brought him back. It's not like this organization to just run it back, bring guys back. <laughs> All right. Uh, take a break? Yeah, take a break. All right, Jimmy. Before we go to break, right to sell on craft jerky. Check it out. Go to right to sell on.com. Discount code BGN15 for 15% off the best meat snacks and non-meat snacks and everything else they've got there. It's free to go to RightToSellin.com. That part is free. You check it out. You see if there's anything you like. Then you use discount code BGN15 for 15% off your order. Once you do find something you like there, because you probably will. And if you're looking for dog treats, uh, settle down, my friend Duncan over here or your dog. Then you want to go to WildNaturePet.com and use the same discount code BGN15 for 15% off your order. Jimmy. Back after this. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Back here on BGN Radio, Duncan is in his bed. He was protecting me earlier. I salute him for his service, protecting me from the <laughs> noises coming from places unknown. Uh, what do we have next, Jimmy? He looks a little bit like the dogs that they had both at the Combine and the owners' meetings, like mm. the security dogs uh, that I uh, photojournalized uh, at True. the Combine. Um, he they seemed a little more calmer than dunks though <laughs> no 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 offense no all, all due respect to dunks he's just really good uh, at his job okay <laughs> all right uh so we had news of course from the jeffrey Lurie press conference uh so we'll get that out of the way first and this was sort of along the lines of like whenever things are bad just promote Brian Dawkins again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not that things are bad necessarily right now, but he started off with the uh, the Kelly Green uniform news that they're going to wear Kelly Green uniforms in 2023. And it's not the one – I actually don't like the uniforms that they chose. Mm. Um, wow. Not that I don't like them. I Always like the, the, old, the old 1960s version that they wore in – was it 2010? 2010, 2010 right? It was, yeah, the Vic um, season. Yeah. Those looked sweet. Uh, uh, you know, in the, in sort of a more modern look, they're, instead they're going to wear sort of the Randall Cunningham, Reggie White era, uh, Kelly Green throwbacks with the with the eagle with the bird on on the on the sleeve. Um, so I don't know they'll, they'll look cool, I guess, but I like the I like the older ones a little bit better. 
And then uh, also in 2022, they can't have the Kelly Green jerseys yet because it takes just a quick explanation. Nike sort of has to calibrate the color and get it perfect, get it right. The way that it was explained uh, off the record uh, during the, the press conference was, like, you know how like if you've ever painted the walls in your home, like when you looked at the at the palette choices like on, on the card, it might have looked one way. And then when your wall actually gets painted, it looks a little bit different. So there is some trial and error that Nike has to go through to get it exactly right on the jersey uh, before they can really roll it out. So that takes time. So um, I guess the Eagles didn't have their – they had already submitted their pick for black being their alternate jersey color in 2022 when the NFL announced that they were adding a second helmet. By then it was too late for Nike to sort of calibrate that in time. Uh, for for this upcoming season. So uh, again, that's why it's 2023. But in the meantime, because there is a second helmet option now, he was going to wear a black helmet in 2022, which I think will actually look pretty cool. It'll be basically the same exact helmet as the one they have now, the same like logo and everything, but all the, just the midnight green base color of the helmet will not be black. I think they'll, they'll look, I think those will look pretty sharp. I don't love the fuddy duddies who are like, Oh, who cares what uniforms or none of this is important. It's like, <laughs> Everything is part of football. It's an entertainment. Yeah, Yeah, it's fun. It's supposed to be fun. It's an entertainment product. Um, John Madden was talking about how Jersey numbers analytics basically was, well, he didn't use that phrasing. That's my phrasing. But he was talking about on an old interview with uh, Letterman. uh, And I was watching it after he passed away earlier this year about like how you have to have the right Jersey number for a player. Like, oh, that's John Madden (laughs) saying that. Like, like, all this stuff matters. I can hear him. Yeah. (laughs) He was like, well, yeah, 77, that's got to be like an offensive tackle. You know, you got to have that number. Yeah, you can't <laughs> yes. have that on the small guy. Uh, that's a really half-hearted John Madden impression for me. Uh, that but wasn't terrible. I was going a little bit closer to... It's better than my Merrill Reese. Yeah. Um, well, now we have to hear your Merrill Reese. <laughs> Maybe later. Okay. Um, it's got to uh, come up generically. I think the green helmet actually goes well. The midnight green with the black. Um, mm-hmm. It's not like a bad look, but black is even cooler. That it matches, that's great. Uh, Lurie noted how the players like the black jerseys a lot. And obviously he said as well, I don't know if you mentioned this, that ideally he would like to have both, uh, all black and Kelly green available down mm-hmm. the road, uh, propose multiple helmets. And I think that would be a good move. I think that'd be fun if they did like maybe one of each a year. Right. Uh, I'm a big Kelly green proponent. I, I think it Kelly green to me fits today's NFL. Like it's it, like, I think some of the coolest jerseys in the league are like bright, vibrant colors. They're mm-hmm. fun. I just think Midnight Green is boring. Everyone's like, oh, they won the Super Bowl in Midnight Green, and they were losers in Kelly Green. Well, first of all, didn't they win like three championships? I know that wasn't the Super Bowl. They won like some of their the best era of Eagles football, and it's way back in the day, was yeah. when they were wearing Kelly Green. And a lot of like the fan favorites growing up, you know, again, like you mentioned, guys like, you know, Randall Cunningham and, and Jaws and whoever, like Kelly Green. Uh, I think it's great. They're not going to make it the primary color, unfortunately, at least I don't think anytime soon, but I like it a lot. So I'm, I'm very happy. It's back. I think it's fun. The fans love it. It should be around. It's taking forever, Jimmy. Like uh, we've had this, these, these have been <laughs> articles like annually from the NFL from the owners meetings every, yeah, every year, every yeah. year. It's always an update and it's like, Oh, not yet. Not yet. And it's finally, and it's not even still finally here. It's 2023. It's a year away, but at least now. We have it uh, in stone that it will be coming back next year. So I'm excited for it. It's funny you mentioned that because I went back and looked um, because I had written previously about, you know, why uh, it was, you know, 
basically the, the two helmet rule or the one helmet versus two helmet rule i went back and just was refreshing my memory on on um on those rules or whatever so i was looking at my old articles from like 2018 2019 2019 2017 and i think it was like 2018 i wrote that you know laurie had said uh yeah hope we're we're pretty optimistic that uh we'll wear kelly green jerseys by 2020 <laughs> and then here we are it's uh 2021 and you know, it's like oh, we're we're definitely going to have them in 2023. At least, at least, at least, it's definitely happening happening now. But it was just funny seeing like every year. Well, it's probably it's looking like maybe 2020. You know, and then like 2019 rolls around. That's looking like a 50 50 shot. It'll be 2020, and then like you know, nope, 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 nope. So finally, it happened, and. uh I'm just looking. You know what's going to happen, by the way, when they finally wear these jerseys, they're going to get smoked like fifty-six nothing or oh, something no. like that. <laughs> Hopefully not. Yeah. And then, like the jersey that was like really ugly, uh, you know, like the blue and the yellows. Remember those? The Kevin like, Curtis they, game, baby. They yeah. romped in that game. What was that the Rams they played? The in Lions, that game? I believe. Lions. Okay. All right. So uh, moving on Rams? from the jerseys, um, some takeaways from from Lurie's press conference first. Uh, before we get to the delusional stuff, Lori <laughs> mm. said that uh, you know this year was going or last year rather was uh, was a transition year, uh, you know, moving from the four eleven and one season and not blowing it up necessarily, but transitioning uh, in a number of different ways uh, roster wise. This year they're building for the present and the future, and um, what does that mean exactly? Well, they're gonna. Try to get better this year. They're going to try to win this year. Not that they weren't trying to win last year, but they are going to make some moves with this year in mind. But at the same time, they're going to be mindful of you know the you know, twenty twenty three and 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 beyond. Um, so I happen to read uh, an article by John Stolnes at BGN, uh, pondering whether the Eagles are stuck in quarterback. I, I guess he the way that he phrased it was quarterback purgatory but um and for our for the purpose of our discussion are is just the team kind of stuck in purgatory for the time being it was the lions not the rams for the okay. uh, quarterback game uh i feel like this offseason has been about treading water really so yes uh for now at least i mean the, the reality is they are until they have a quarterback who can play at a very high level and we know as much and Maybe Jalen Hurts can become that guy, but that's a very big maybe, and I think more like unlikely than likely, obviously. So, yeah, I feel like until – I mean, it's not really fun for everyone to boil it down to that, but that's what it comes down to. That's the, at the end of the day, that's what it's about. And you can build up the roster, and you can make it good, and there's exceptions, obviously, but more often than not, it's going to be about that. And I don't think the Eagles certainly are in a spot, at the very least, where you can say 100% that they have that guy. So I do think they're kind of treading water. Um, like, where have they made significant gains in the long term this offseason? They added Hassan Reddick. I think that's a nice long term piece. Mm-hmm. But like Kaiser White's a one year deal. Zach Pascal's a one year deal. Like they're not adding. And obviously the draft will be very key for this mm-hmm. in terms of building in the long term. But I don't think that's this year. You don't draft you know a bunch of guys this year and they're ready to make a difference right away. At least at a very high level. Maybe they'll be nice contributors. But maybe they'll be total busts. Like it's it's just an unknown. You don't know. You're not when you're signing someone in free agency. You're getting some level of certainty, or you're trading for someone of what that player is probably. And you're drafting someone. There's so much unknown. They might not be ready to contribute right away. They might be. I don't. There's it's just very uncertain. So to me, uh, like I think what 
is being said there is that like they're not, they're not all in clearly and mm-hmm. think about and that's right by the way what and i well, that- yes but like part of that goes back to the quarterback because if you had yeah. if you're in the charger situation let's say you're going all in because you have Justin yeah. Herbert on a rookie contract. You fully believe right. in him. You're like, we have to do this. This is our window right now. I don't think the Eagles have like found their window yet. Yeah. And I think their acknowledgement that they're not ready to sort of go big uh, this year for the short term is sort of a, an acknowledgement without actually saying it, that they aren't certain about Jalen Hurts, and we already know that because they tried to trade for Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson, but like, won't go into that again. But yeah, I, I think they're. I think this is more of a good thing than a bad thing that they that he did sort of phrase it that way that they're you know building for the present, but also being mindful for the future because they're not Super Bowl contenders right now. So in my opinion, they shouldn't be pushing all their chips in for the season with this quarterback anyway. Um, if they had been able to trade for Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson or something like that, then yeah, then they would probably, the answer to that question probably would be much different that they are going to, you know, go for it a little bit more than they, than, than, you know, the hit Lori's answer, uh, might indicate. Um, so did you have anything more on that? I just think they're, again, they're kind of just in the middle and that's where they've really been. It's not even just, it's where they've been been in the middle since the Super Bowl year. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Like. they're, since 2018. They're, they've been we a middling team. think of them team. that way heading into 2018, but that's sort of what they ended up being. Correct. And really more so if you want to even give them that year, fine. But after that year, especially, like they've been a mm-hmm. middling team, really. Yeah. I mean, the outliers. And really for kind of since the beginning of Doug, ultimately, or even like 2015, if you want to go back that far. Um, because you look at the outlier of the Super Bowl and the outlier of the Carson Wentz being a disaster year in 2020. Like mm-hmm. those are the outliers. Everything else has kind of been just in the middle yeah that's fair it's not the worst place to be but it's not the yeah they're not, not in the basement like be. they're not washington no <laughs> they're not, you know they're, they're not the giants so it's uh it's it's a franchise that in theory make one huge move and it's the right move bang they can pop so i think the the opportunity maybe if the opportunity if the right opportunity comes around like they can they can go from one of these middling teams to something more but you're right, like over the course of the last seven, eight years, whatever you want to call it, they, they've sort of been right in the middle with, again, just those two, you know, major out, major outliers where one, they reached the, the, the pinnacle of the sport and the other where that's about as bad as a season as, as you can get that 411 in one season. So um, the other takeaways from Laurie, I mean, some some of the things he said were just, I mean, flat delusional. I mean, he was asked, I guess, what his involvement is these days in roster management decisions. And his answer was that he's less involved these days as opposed to more involved. And then he started to answer, like he started, he was about to give three, he was about to give us some examples of times where maybe he, you know, rooted a little too hard for them to, you know, land this player or that player. And when he started to answer that question, I mean, my mind, I think a couple other reporters' minds went to the, oh, we were almost kind of like, oh, wow, he's going to like, he's he's going to self-criticize here. Like he's going to name like some, some, mom- some, you know, players they took that maybe he whiffed on or like he really wanted them. And then uh, they took them and the, that player didn't pan out. Like we thought we, we, he was going to name some like some legitimately critical things that have happened over the years, but nope. <laughs> like he's, he, uh, first of all, let me, let me, let me just. I pulled this up. 
here's here's how Jeff McLean started his article on uh, Wednesday of this week, writing about uh, these three players that Jeffrey Jeffrey Lurie named. So McLean writes first paragraph: Since Jeffrey Lurie became the Eagles' owner in 1994, his team has drafted nearly 250 players, signed and re-signed more than a thousand, made manifold evaluations and roster decisions, and only three times. He recalled Tuesday, has he ever pushed for a particular outcome? And you know who those three players were? Well, one, Lane Johnson, who is going to have his number retired whenever he whenever he's he's done playing for the Eagles. One of the I think was the best offensive tackle in the entire NFL, in my opinion, in 20 left tackle, right tackle. Doesn't Mm -hmm. matter to me in 2017 has been an absolute stud of a player since he was taken in 2013. Okay, so that was his first one. Second one was Russell Wilson, who the Eagles famously, you know, wanted to take potentially uh, in the third round, but they instead second took round. Vinnie Carey in the second round. Uh, they And who? Oh, Michael Kendricks earlier in the second mm-hmm. round that year. So they took Michael Kendricks, Vinnie Carey in the second round, waited until the third round to get Russell Wilson, got jumped by the Seahawks. The rest is history. Russell Wilson's going to be a, a Hall of Famer, Probably first ballot Hall of Famer. Uh, they wanted to trade for him this offseason. Instead, he gets traded to Denver. That was Jeffrey Lurie's number two time that he really, really, really wanted a player. And then the third time was when the Eagles, in the seventh round, not having a seventh round pick that year, traded into the seventh round to take Australian uh, Australian rules football player Jordan Mailata, who is like the best bargain draftee uh, in Eagles history and one of the best, you know, in recent NFL memory. Those were the three times that Jeffrey Lurie really, really, really wanted a player. Two of them they got, one of them they didn't. But man, that batting average by Jeffrey Lurie to really want Lane Johnson and really want Russell Wilson and really want Jordan Mailata. Man, that guy is a hell of an evaluator. Well, doesn't the Russell Wilson thing a little like <laughs> undermine the commitment to Jalen Hurts part? Like, like you're telling us that you didn't have interest in him this off season. Well, not to say you denied that, but like when you're saying like you really wanted him back then, like you just you didn't want him now. Uh, anyway, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I guess people the pushback on that that I've seen is like Lurie wasn't necessarily saying those were the only three. I guess as much as those were three memorable ones or just three examples he used. But even if that was the case, like it's this, it still came off as if those were the three. And uh, I think a, an important thing to consider because Daniel Jeremiah was on WIP this week and he kind of, I guess, pushed back on some of the, you know, Lurie having an influence. And by the way, it's been reported that, Larry's influence has only increased, right? Especially he since was, he was he he hasn't been around in a long time. Yeah, and exactly, he hasn't been around in a long time. And uh, I also think, and he's also friends with Howie, so like I don't think yeah, you know, trying to like right. he's not going to say anything bad yeah. about the Eagles ever. Yeah. Uh, so I think there's a lot to that, but I I think the thing that uh, has been reported and highlighted by many, it's not necessarily always Lurie kind of coming in like a tyrant and like demanding this and that. I don't think that's necessarily. Mm-hmm what people are saying it's that when he's making his opinions known as part of this process, people are going to side with him or want to side (laughs) with him because he is the ultimately the one who signs their checks. And you know, like you don't want to disagree with the the boss ultimately. So I think that's kind of a big problem there. Um, I think 
at the end of the day, Jeffrey Lurie is a very good owner. I don't think anyone for sure like disagrees with that in terms of like the people, even the people who have been critical of him in the reporting and, and like highlighting these things. It's it's more nuanced than that. And I'm not just saying that because I'm like fearful of the Eagles owner. I'm saying that because I think there's he brought he ultimately you know helped the Eagles win a Super Bowl. He's done a lot of good things for them in terms of obviously bringing them out of the rut they were in prior to Jeffrey Larry being the owner and kind of being like a joke of a team to having that run in the early 2000s as like a legitimate almost dynasty you know like going to a Super Bowl and obviously being in the championship like he's done a lot of good things I think you could you could argue he's the best owner in Philly sports history at least very one of the very best like there's a lot of good things uh that Jeffrey Larry uh has going for him and I think the way the Eagles think a lot of the times is like the right way like they're, they're not hiring Dave Gettleman over here yeah, it's not yeah, like yeah. they're stuck in the dinosaur ages, uh, like, and like the Phillies have been with like analytics for a long time. They're yes. like they're, they're progressive in a lot of ways. My argument is always they're like they like to outthink themselves, and they're not honest with themselves. That's my biggest criticism of them. They, they just they're kind of delusional about where they stand, and I think what Larry is saying here kind of speaks to that delusion. So after he you know named these three guys, uh, Tim McManus jumped in and was like, "Whoa." whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, I got to push back here. Like, you know, there's been reporting that, you know, you were involved in, uh, you know, other draft day decisions, et cetera. Uh, and Lori interrupted and he goes, he goes, reporting. <laughs> Mick Bannon's like, yeah, well, there's a lot of uh, hard work that goes into the reporting that, you know, from, from the people in this room. <laughs> and like, but uh, Lori was basically like, yeah, that's all fake news by saying reporting. Uh, but he pushed back, and then um, Lurie then cited the example of uh, JJ JJ Ortega Whiteside pick, where um, it was reported that he essentially broke the tie on that. Lurie's story on Lurie's side of the story on that was that you know the Eagles were deciding between two players, ultimately wound up being JJ Ortega Whiteside and Paris Campbell, who eventually went to Ohio State and eventually got picked by the uh, by the Indianapolis Colts. Um, and then they, they just sort of flippantly asked Lurie, eh, who do you want between these two guys? Which is funny because at other points during his press conference, he went on to sort of uh, go on this, this um, I don't want to call it rant, but he, he went he went long on and, you know, saying how intense the vetting process is on on players, whether they be already in the NFL or through the draft process where they're looking at these guys from – every different angle imaginable, like things you wouldn't even think of. And then when they're on the board, like on the clock, it's their turn to pick and they go to Laurie. Eh, eh, could go either way. What do you say, Jeff? <laughs> and then he, at that point, even passed up the opportunity to pick the player. He was just like, yeah, I could go with either guy, you know? So it's, uh, it's all up to you. Now, the way that that story is explained by, uh, again, McLean, uh, from the Inquirer, he he says that um, Howie and Joe Douglas wanted to draft Paris Campbell, and Doug uh, wanted to draft JJ. So it wasn't really even a tie; it was two to one. And the two guys that have more power were on the Paris Campbell side, and yet somehow they made the JJ pick. So uh, you know, take that for what it's worth. <laughs> like I think, as you said, and as McLean said, rather, you know, J he wanted JJ, and ultimately Howie. Uh, pick JJ because that's who the owner wanted. Uh, again, maybe not that big a deal because maybe they had those players extremely closely rated. 
Uh, and then it was also funny, by the way, that like uh, Lori even had like the wrong player that that the fans and such wanted instead. Like he cited Terry McLaurin. They say, oh, you know, Washington wound up getting Terry McLaurin in the in the third round. Uh, I think he said fourth round. He said they wound up getting Terry McLaurin. So, you know, hats off to them. They got the right player. When really the guy that all the fans wanted and is wound up being an even better player than Terry McLaurin, who was also very good. Of course, DK Metcalf, who the Eagles passed over to, to select either J.J. Ortega-Whiteside or Paris Campbell, both of whom, by the way, not just J.J. has been yeah. a bust, but Paris Campbell has been almost equally as bad for the Colts. Yeah. Um, I guess last thing I'll say about this in terms of the, the delusion point is I get frustrated when the Eagles bring up four playoff appearances in five years because Lurie <laughs> yes. said that. Uh, Howie yeah. loves to say that. And it's just like, come on, guys. Like, the bar should be so much higher than that. It is so – you got you got waxed in the playoffs this year by – it was never a game. Yeah, like how are so how are you flaunting that as an accomplishment? Like, be, why is it an accomplishment that the Eagles made the playoffs this year, lost to every good team decisively in the regular season they played, and then got blown out by you know a team in the playoffs? Like, how is that? Some how is that a feather in your cap? Like, how can you brag about that? I don't understand that. And if your argument is well, no, they they overachieved, and certainly they did, but the expectations were low because they the people in charge of the organization currently were in charge before and made a lot of bad decisions and lowered the expectations by making a lot of bad moves. Like you don't get extra credit for that. Like, so I just get frustrated with that, Jimmy, because a lot of the things uh, that we hear on the record, that's some things off the record. And I've said, I want the Eagles to do well. It's great for me personally, for my mental health. It's great for my career. Like I have a lot of incentive to, to want the Eagles to succeed. It's not a situation that people seem to think like the media is out to get the team and they want them to fail. Not true at all. At least for me, I can speak for myself here. Um, I think a lot of people don't think that way to be clear in the media, but I'm saying I'm speaking for me. So I'm not rooting against the team, but it make they make it so hard to root for them with some of this stuff. Like when you know kind of <laughs> yeah. how the sausage is made. So yeah, uh, that's what I'm trying to get at here is it can be just very frustrating because I don't think they're honest with themselves. And that's something I've said for a long time now. And I wish they would be because I think that would go a long way in. And I think they have been in the past. I think I, I recall how he press conferences. I think it was maybe after the 2019 season or so where he said a lot of things that I was like, wow, how he's being like really honest and accountable here. But then it always hasn't been met with action in terms of, hey, I have a loyalty to our players too much. But then you end up resigning all of your players and running it back. Like, you know, so uh, sometimes the actions speak louder than words or often do. But um I'm rambling, but the point is, I just I wish they would be more honest with themselves. I really do. Yeah, that playoff game, by the way, uh, we were talking about it before the show began. But I, I, so it's something I wanted to look up. There were th- it was, they were down thirty-one nothing with yeah. three minutes left in the third quarter, and they got a couple garbage touchdowns in in the fourth quarter after you know Tampa had just long since taken their foot off the gas, particularly offensively, obviously. Right. Uh, but Todd Bowles had every answer for uh, Jalen Hurts and, and the Eagles' offense. The Eagles, you know, run heavy attack in that game. They had no chance. Like they really just had never had any chance in in that game as a, as a, as as it turned out. Uh, one other quick thing from the Laurie presser was that he wouldn't say whether he greenlighted a, a trade for Deshaun Watson. Went into just you know we evaluate everyone. Was asked directly if you know Watson had wanted to come to Philly, would he have welcomed him here? And basically just non answered it. Could have easily said no. Mm-hmm. My takeaway on that was yeah. 
he greenlighted that trade. So, <laughs> but I mean, of course, if you're him, you're not going to cop to that mm-hmm. because what good does it do? You don't even get the player. You don't get the value. You don't even get the, the benefit of having the talented player in town, but yet you're going to take all the heat for, you know, being, being willing to bring him in sort of the same way that, you know, teams like the Falcons and, um, uh, who else met with him aside from the Browns, Falcons, Saints, Saints, Panthers, uh, Panthers. They're all kind of getting heat for, uh, wanting to bring him in and then also failing at bringing him in. It's like, uh, yeah. So like the, the Eagles have avoided that by and large because they never actually got to meet with Watson and his representation. But, uh, the idea that they, that they didn't want him. And again, we don't know for certain that Laurie greenlighted that move, but, think the writing is on the wall that he probably did i mean like you said he could have said no it's always it's often about what isn't said and he didn't say no like he could have said no he in fact said uh this this is his full answer when asked here's the i'll read the question and the answer question was from bo wolf if deshaun wanted to come to the eagles would you have welcomed him to the organization and this is larry's answer so we do our due diligence any player who's on another team i really don't want to comment on it would be easy to do it, but I don't want to comment on it at all. You know, it's even easier than doing that <laughs> is just saying no. Like, and yeah, and the Giants did it, or well, at least preemptively, they were like, "We're not trading for Deshaun Watson." Yes. And the Dolphins did it. We're not Dolphins trading for. It, like, yep. they said this on the record. Like, so it's really not like that crazy that he could have said it because other teams were mm-hmm. kind of doing it. Um, and then uh, the other part of it, after the fact, it would have been really easy to just say we didn't have any sure. interest right we weren't you could have lied um you didn't even have to say it up front it's even easier after the fact so uh yeah to me that's not a no is that's what i would say yeah all right let's take it up well, let's take another break but before we do if you're looking to buy or sell your home or rent call kristen roach of roach realtors or go to roach realtors.com but to call her 856-906-9295 Again, 856-906-9295. Brandon? Rotrealtors.com? Yes. Back after this. Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors. Roach Realtors. Roach Realtors. Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors. She's the greatest. 856-906-9295. Eight five six nine oh six nine two nine five nine two nine five. Back here on BGN Radio for our final segment. To me, did you see the Eagles over under win total? Is it eight point five? It's eight point five. It's high, I think. I guess they won nine last year. Um, they have the third easiest schedule in the league, according to yeah, okay. the <laughs> yet another reason the 2022 Eagles could look a lot like the 2021 Eagles. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Mm. What I do mean, you? What would you go right now? Sitting here right now, would you go over or under? Over or under? Over, just because I think the schedule's going to be easy, and they're going to play these teams who are really bad, like they've played, and they're capable of beating the bad teams. I'm going under. I think. Um, I think. With I think there's it's I think it's almost as likely that Jalen Hurts is worse this year than last year that as it is that he's better this year than last year, and then the reason why is I think at the end of the year last year we saw teams really figure out how to how to 
stop him in the Eagles offense. Uh, he had some really bad games at the end of the year, you know, including the playoffs, of course. So the Eagles are going to have to figure out, out a way to com- the counter the, the way that teams were defending him late in the year. And that'll be a challenge to do that. Uh, but I think it's pretty clear. You just want to keep him in the pocket. You want to make sure he doesn't escape to his right. You do those two things. And, uh, it kind of limits what, what he's going to be able to do offensively. So I, I, just... I think they're going to win. They're going to win their share of games, I think. But mm-hmm. I would go under. Like, I think eight is probably the number. Okay. So let's do this, like, quick. Uh, yeah. You know, we'll obviously do this a lot more in the offseason in terms of win losses. But, all right, Washington twice. Uh, How many wins? They'll split. Okay. One win. At Chicago. Chicago's terrible. They'll win that game. Uh, at Dallas. They're going to get swept by Dallas. Wow. Um, at Detroit. Wait, am I looking at the right thing here? I guess I am. Yeah. Yeah, they play in Detroit. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so they'll win Detroit uh, at Houston. That's a win. Okay. At Indianapolis. That's a loss. At the Giants. Uh, I think they sweep the Giants this year. Okay. So that's two more. Uh, you get said they're going to swept by the Cowboys. Um. So three and three in the division, one way or the other. Versus the Packers. Loss. Versus the Vikings. That's a toss up. Uh I'll go loss. Okay. Versus the Jags. Dougie P comes home to Philly. That's a win. Okay. Uh versus the Titans. That's a loss. At the Cardinals, which actually might be in Mexico. Not sure, but it could be. By the way, on that point. I like that you said that. I don't. I don't remember if this was off the record or on the record, but and I don't think if it was off the record. I don't think this is something that they were that they pro- have a problem with us sharing. It just happened to happen during the off the record. So my apologies, Eagles, if I'm not supposed to reveal this. But Lori basically gave them the okay to play in Mexico City. They said they would welcome playing okay. in Mexico City. They said, well, if you want us to play in Mexico City, we'll play there. If you want us to play that game in Arizona, we'll play there. So I think the odds of them playing in Mexico City are higher than just one in five or one in six or whatever mm-hmm. it is uh, for the teams eligible to play against the Cardinals in Mexico City. It's a good so nugget. That's, that's that's a real possibility. Okay. Uh, so at so at the Cardinals. Either way, that's a loss. Okay. <laughs> uh, versus Mitchell Trubisky and the Steelers. You know what? That's a tough one too. The Steelers. I'll, t- the, I'll tell you what. Steelers so that, never win in Philly. They're really. I big. feel like the Steelers and the and the Vikings are both toss ups. Okay. And because I picked a loss for the Vikings, I'll pick a win against the Steelers. Also, the Steelers haven't won in Philly since like I think like the '60s or something. They're like I think they're like zero and eight in their last games against the Eagles in Philly. One of my favorite game. One of my favorite Eagles games ever, by the way. When I was uh, just a fan, as opposed to the Big J journalist that I wow. am now, was the uh, the time they sacked Roethlisberger like a million times. Uh, early in Roethlisberger's career, like 2008-ish, somewhere around there. They won that game really low scoring, right? And yes. Dolphins had that crazy, like, diving strip sack. <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They knocked him out, left which came in, and they hammered him for a while, too. Uh, but they just they just totally dominated that that offense. Uh, a very fun game to watch. If you like defensive football, like that's that's like that's got to be one of your favorite games ever. And then to wrap it up versus the New Orleans Saints. Ooh, that's a tough one, too. They've run all over them the past two years. I'm going to go Eagles. So I actually have them at nine wins. Okay. okay. Eight. I had them. I guess maybe I missed one, but I had it at eight. Okay. Eight or nine. So that's, but I think it's honestly. Yeah, I guess that over under is about right. Yeah, that's where I'd have them, too. I'd have them about eight or nine. 
Um, I agree with m- not all of those, but probably most of them. Um, maybe mm-hmm. I'd change a couple. Uh, I don't. Okay. I don't see him getting the ten. I mean, maybe, but if they do, it's on the backs of an easy schedule. But anyway, you never know. Like the some of these better teams, you know, sure. quarterbacks get hurt and things yeah, like, happen, and they become much easier opponents than you were anticipating. Of course, that can happen to your team too, and then you wind up winning four or five games. <laughs> I don't think they only win something like five or six games. So that's kind of seems hard to see with their schedule yeah. and just who they're playing here. Um, all right. So what did you actually want to talk about? <laughs> that so one, I guess one last thing. Well, why don't, why don't we give our overall, we're, we're into April now and the True. new league year began what? Uh, the 16th, the 14th. Yeah. The 14th was the start of uh, the tampering period. So we're now. Jimmy's looking at a calendar. Weeks, uh, we're almost you know, three weeks in. And so doing math. So, uh, yeah, let's, uh, I think it's the appropriate time to give our final Eagles free agency grades. Why don't you go first? I'll give them a, I really want to give them a C because I think in the grand scheme of things, they haven't really like progressed much in like the big, I don't think has the needle moved for the Philadelphia Eagles. I don't really think it has. Um, I think it's hard not to also when you're grading, you have to grade for a term that I like to use a lot. Maybe you're tired of me hearing it. Opportunity costs. Like that's something that has yeah. to be factored into the grading. And they missed out on a lot of people. And there's a reason they missed out on a lot of people. And I think it's in part because they built a team that wasn't super desirable to free agents. And you kind of have to, I think, factor that in. And not to, again, not to say they're a dumpster fire or anything. And players would like hate the idea of playing in Philly, but they clearly weren't dying to do it. They weren't like beating down the door to come to Philadelphia. And I think the front office deserves some blame for that. I think they deserve some blame for missing out on some players that they, they wanted to get. Um, mm-hmm. The Calvin Ridley thing, they couldn't control maybe. But, like, you can't – your plan can't be we're getting this one player and that's the plan. Like, you're going to have offseason moves that don't work out. Like, that's going to happen every year. You can't just – you can't have, like, this one guy and you don't get him. Well, now we're screwed. Like, that, that's, then that's not a good plan. Sorry. Um, so I know that wasn't – ideal not necessarily in their control but like okay that sucks but you have to figure out a better alternative and you didn't really at least to this point maybe again they'll swing a trade for someone there's still time i get i get that um they love to say by the way oh the offseason's not over i mean it's not but like a lot of the significant moves probably are right (laughs) like who are you getting that's like a real difference maker and it's possible but it's not like likely so i think they I, I like the Hassan Reddick uh, signing a lot. I think that was a good deal, smart deal by them. I think the Kaiser White signing is a nice one-year flyer. Mm-hmm. Take a chance on him. See if he can be a long-term piece. Zach Pascal is fine. I don't think it's super objectionable. Um, so I like those moves. But bringing back Fletcher Cox was really bad. Bringing back Derek Barnett, I don't think it was a good move. Uh, I don't have a problem with like necessarily you know re-signing Derek or um, Boston Scott or like Greg Ward for cheap or whatever. But like when you fit it in the theme of bringing back Barnett and Cox and kind of just no new ideas and running it back, you're not adding players who at least in theory have upside. Like these are limited players. You know exactly where you're going to get out of them. And there's some value in that in terms of them having a higher floor, but the ceiling is also way lower. So on the whole, I don't think they move the needle, but I think you do have to give them credit again for the Reddick signing um, and, and Kaiser white. Uh, so I'll give them a C plus. Yeah. I'm with you on, um, the if you look at each of their three acquisitions 
individually, they all make sense. Like Redick is a, was a great signing on day one. Like I think we all agreed that that and and I thought they got him at a reasonable cost. Yeah. I think they got Kaiser White also at a reasonable cost. What did that wind up being? Like three million guaranteed, something like plus that. extra in incentives, or five million whatever. total. Yeah, Pascal cost nothing. Pascal cost like one point five, I think, something like that. So they got these three guys on bargains, and you know, little round of applause for that. But like you, <laughs> like. Fletcher Cox at fourteen million, Derek Barnett at you know a minimum of five point five. You're talking about like twenty million dollars at a at a minimum that could either have gone to younger, you know, players, uh, sort of young ascending players instead of these two guys, or maybe like even if you don't get a player, if you just bank that money yeah. and you apply it toward twenty twenty three and beyond, and when you're ready to. Uh, you know, make a, a stronger move like 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 we talked about earlier. How they're you know they're they're planning for the for the present and the future. If you know at twenty twenty three they feel like okay now it's time to make our, our our big push. You have an extra twenty million in your in your pocket to to bring it in like an impact player. Instead, you you have another year of Fletcher Cox and Derek Barnett. Come on, come on, man. What are you doing? It's, they're unforced errors. It's crazy. Yep. So you know, there's some good. There's some bad. And the bottom line for me is it's been a while since they've made a move where you kind of went, ooh, I like what they did. You didn't see it coming, but you're like – it's like a great move and you're just really impressed by it. I haven't seen that in a while. Reddick wouldn't qualify? I don't think so, no. Because, I mean, we both – I mean, I had him on my target list. <laughs> I think other people did as well. Like he's okay. a guy that made, that made sense for them to sign it. So you're talking about him. in terms of predictability too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So predictability is fine. Like to sign a guy that makes sense. Of course. Like and we, I mean, everyone gave him credit for the Reddick signing. Like no, nobody, nobody criticized that in any mm-hmm. way that I'm aware of. And you and I have been, you know, very, very bullish and positive on that signing. But like, but my point being is like, when's the last time where they made a move and you're like, oh, they, that like that's an out of the box signing that like yes, that really, really makes a lot of sense and um you know was, was a really good thought and whatever like it's been a while since th- since they've had something like that so I won't knock their grade because they didn't come up with something like that but it's worth noting they just haven't had moves like that in a while um anyway uh I guess maybe the Gardner Minshew trade is one is an example of that okay. that see. like that that was a good trade. Um, but you know, beyond that, I think it's kind of been a while since we've seen stuff like that. Um, but I'm with you. I gave, I already wrote an article about this on Tuesday. I think, uh, I gave him a C plus. So we we have the same grade for them again, some good, some bad, but it's just the unforced errors on players that they, they overvalue their own guys, which is something that how he has said he, he needs to fix. He's acknowledged that has been a problem for him in the past, and for some reason, like he never learns his lesson on it. And he's got these two players that are highly unlikely to perform to their level of pay. Uh, why don't we talk a little bit about like what could have made it better? Because I think that's fair, like to be like, okay. you know, what, what could have raised their grade? And I think on the lines of overvaluing their own players, I'm hoping they're not getting great offers for Andre Dillard or strong ones relatively. Right. And they're right. like, just like, nope, we're going to hold on to him until we get exactly <laughs> what we want. Like we did with Zach Hertz and that didn't really end up working yeah. out. Uh, that great. Uh, I mean, they got a fifth. That's fine, but I don't know. It feels like to me they could have had more on the table at some point. Uh, so I would hope that's not the case. I don't know. Gardner Minshew. I don't think you have to be in a rush to trade him. But again, if there's like a three out there on the table, yeah, I kind of like the three instead of Gardner Minshew, and I like Gardner Minshew. But you know, I think the value uh, is better. 
And so those are things, obviously, that I think continue to bear monitoring. Um, and if we're grading as we go still, could boost the grade, signing or trading for a wide receiver, you know, like a Devontae Parker, especially if it's on the cheap. I think that would boost the grade a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, LaVisca Chenault is another guy that I think makes sense. I, I, forget, I keep forgetting about that that rumor that he could be out there. Yeah, I think that would be a nice little move. Um, so there's still things. Getting a quarterback obviously would have made the the, the grade to me at least like mm-hmm. you know a lot stronger than a C plus depending on you know what they gave up and everything. Um, so, uh, I guess you I guess we're saying in terms of like another creative move. Uh, do you have anything in mind? I guess maybe not. No. Um, I, I the one thing I'm curious about is what would the cost have been for Calvin Ridley? What were they willing to give up for him? Because if it's a one, then no, it's a terrible move. Agree. Even if it's a, even if it's a two, I probably wouldn't like that either. But if they if they, if like the offer for him was like a three or less, then yeah, sure. The one thing I will say about that that almost move was um, I sort of like what they're thinking, like in terms of they're not married to one specific type of receiver. In fact, yes. a lot of the receivers that they went after in one way or the other all vary in terms of their skill set and their body types. Like Calvin Ridley isn't like Christian Kirk, who isn't like Allen Robinson, who isn't like Robert Woods. So I think that's a positive sign that in the draft, they're not just going to look at a guy like Drake London, for example, who's 6'5", 220. And they're like, oh, well, that guy, we need a big guy because Quez Watkins and, and Devontae Smith aren't, are, are smaller guys. I think they're they're really looking for anyone who can play. And uh, and that tells me that if they do draft a wide receiver, that it'll be just whoever the best guy is. Um, I don't know. So that's one takeaway. I'm sort of rambling here. But in terms of uh, sort of a surprise, I mean, for me, the, the the way that their free agency could have improved was just don't pay Fletcher Cox and Derek Barnett. Like, True. it's just that simple. Just don't make those two moves right. and apply that money elsewhere. And it's, and it's funny, too. Like, not that, again, fan pressure should be this major factor always but no one was like you have to bring these players back you know and like these really sentimental yeah. decisions from like a fan standpoint no like it's kind of funny to me that uh i think about this a decent amount or at least i, I was recently because malcolm jenkins retired which you should probably mm-hmm. mentioned and will be a philly legend and uh uh good friend joe santo Laquito actually has a good piece on him up on bgn right now uh, that was uh, Duncan, by the way. I, I thought that was somebody on. behind my <laughs> uh, Duncan. Just what did he do? He was shaking in his chains. Uh, shake. Um, <laughs> I thought that was on my end. Like I was looking back behind my door. <laughs> like, is somebody shaking keys out there or something? Isn't it funny that like of all the sentimental, sentimental and dumb decisions the Eagles made, they didn't like bring back Malcolm Jenkins. <laughs> like that he's yes. the one guy. Like no, we have to draw the line here. That's right. <laughs> like how did that happen? Uh, that's a, just a tangent, a separate point. On the Ridley thing, by the way, I don't think we should necessarily accept as Kanan. He definitely would have been an Eagle if not for the suspension. Like what Jay Glazer said is they were close to reaching a deal. They were close mm-hmm. to a deal. That was the exact phrasing he used. And maybe they would have gotten it done. But like the Jets apparently had an offer in for Tyree Kill and they didn't end up getting him. Yeah. And the, you know, teams agreed. Like Randy Gregory was literally announced that he was coming back to the yeah. Cowboys by the team and it didn't happen. So like, you know, like you can't just assist, like, oh, it was definitely gonna happen and the Eagles got robbed. Like I don't I don't know. I don't like that. Like I don't I don't accept that. And also again, we don't know what it was for either. It could have been an overpay. Yeah, I mean, maybe it was a maybe it was a blessing that they did that they that so, it didn't happen. Right. I don't I don't wanna just give them like credit for that move that they didn't end up making is my point i'm not so i just i just want to throw that out there um yeah i think that's about it 
I think that's all we it's got. It's crazy how little Robert Woods went for, by the way. I think we talked about this on the last pod. Six. What, what, a fifth or a sixth, something like that. Yeah. And, you know, there was ties, I think, right to Tennessee. Um, I think, isn't there like some coaching staff ties there from the Rams or whatever? There some, could be. I don't some, know. I think there's some of that. But, and obviously the Rams would prefer to have him, I'm sure, out of the NFC. But, I mean, if you're giving the, up. The, the Titans were the one seed in the AFC last year. So it's a team that's maybe more primed to contend than the eagles this year but also like i think that stuff gets overblown like if you're willing to blow out the team's offer like if you're giving up you know a conditional four let's say and the Titans. well my understanding is that they they allowed robert woods to have input on where he was sent to right sure so that doesn't help yeah so if he want if he didn't want to go to the eagles they probably wouldn't have sent him there Mm -hmm. uh anything else jimmy uh yeah i guess my final thought would be it's a shame that uh the sixers are going to get knocked out of the playoffs <sighs> in the first or second round this year <laughs> yep not looking good yeah just lost to the pistons last night i watched the game and uh i didn't feel good about it during the game i was like they're they're just they're not stomping this team out like they're just letting them hang around and people can say it's the regular season it's a bad loss whatever like Come on, man! Like Harden is not. We're in the stretch. We're we're it's it's the stretch run at this point. That's not that's not an excuse anymore. Like they, you want to finish the season strong heading into the playoffs, and they're seeding at at stake. And the seeding, I guess, in their in their case, it can go either way. Like Mm -hmm. the three seed in theory could be better than the one seed, for example. Um, But it's still you want to finish the regular season. You don't want to be heading into the playoffs, you know, limping. It's the playing Pistons, like crap. Man. Yeah. <laughs> right. like, like, what, what are the Pistons? Like a 20-win team? Not, I don't think not even. They're one of the worst teams in the league. And it's just like, yeah. come on. At some point, you have these stars, like, step up and end the game. Like, even if you don't blow them out. But, like, just, like, like I've seen it plenty LeBron teams. Just not that I'm the, even the biggest LeBron guy. But there's, you know, plenty of games with superstars where, like, they kind of do let. Because I saw it during the process years with the Sixers. Where, like, the Sixers would hang around longer than they should. And then the other team <laughs> right. just like turn it on big. Nope, we're winning the game at the end. Yeah, like, yeah, it's, yeah. So it seemed like closer than it really was. But the, like LeBron was never in jeopardy of actually losing. Like he was always going to turn it on when it counted. And the Sixers couldn't do that last night. And they've and they've struggled recently. And Harden just like looks kind of just like freaking cooked at times, which is really concerning. <laughs> he just can't get by people, man. Like yeah, I, I remember if... those Sixers games where like you know they like you said they'd hang around and they lose, and then Sixers fans would be like. All right, good loss. Yeah, they, like you'd, you'd be happy that they were competitive, but sure. also that they that they lost for draft pick purposes. Absolutely. Um, well, they had a vision. That's that's the thing. That's what I always say. It kind of bothers me about. It's not. It's not that I think. I feel like I'm a front runner. Um, I don't think that's always the issue, or that's, I don't think that's the case. I don't. I don't need to necessarily root for a team that's good. I need to root for a team that has a vision. And the Sixers had a vision, and you can criticize it, and maybe you didn't agree with it, but they had a plan in place. Yeah. And I think what frustrates me about this era of the Eagles to bring it back to them is like, I don't necessarily always know what the vision is because it seems like they think they're a lot closer than they really are. At the same time, they're like, well, we're in this kind of transition phase or we're building and for now and the future, like they're kind of just in the middle. And I don't really know what the, what is the, what is the path to getting a quarterback? Because if it's not Jalen Hurts and there's a good chance again, it might not be then like, how are they going to get one? Because Every because you know I think a lot of people would say, and I've been saying, you almost have to trade for a twenty twenty three first round pick, and that's let's say they do, and that's great. But guess what? You know who else is going to have multiple first round picks next year? Uh, other teams, the Texans, <laughs> yeah, are going to have multiple first round picks because of the Watson trade, right? Um, 
I think the the Dolphins still might because of the Trey Lance deal. I'm not sure about that. Um, the the Seahawks will because of the Russ trade. Um, like there's teams that are going to have multiple first round picks next year, and the Giants easily could because I think they're in a prime position to trade down from number five this year. I talked about that with RJ Ochoa on the NFC's mixtape this week. Um, so like they're going to have competition, and then here's you know, the list. It's yeah. Texans, Seahawks, Lions, Dolphins. Right. Four teams already are slated to have two first round picks next year. And again, I think teams are going to be, I think the Giants are in a prime position to trade back from one mm-hmm. of the two spots this year and get it, yeah. especially because, you know, the uncertainty with Daniel Jones moving forward. So, like, even getting that first round pick next year doesn't like guarantee you're going to be able to get whoever you want at the top of the draft or anything. So, uh, I just, that's what I kind of feel, you know, I, I question with the Eagles. It's like, how are they going to get a quarterback if it's not hurt? It's it's something that keeps me up at night, Jimmy, because it matters the most at the end of the day. Uh, that's you know, that kind of, that kind of spurs me to think, I, I hadn't even considered how many teams had multiple first round picks next year. And I wonder how many of those teams are going to put off taking a quarterback this year. Like, I don't think anyone's thinking the Texans are going to take either Pickett or, no. Uh, or Malik Jackson or Malik, Malik Willis, Willis. Excuse me. Um, I always say Malik Jackson. Um, some people, I guess, I, I've seen a smattering of people maybe suggest the Lions could take uh, a quarterback at two, but they're probably not because they have two first round picks next year. Um, so maybe one of those guys will be available to the Eagles at fifteen. Like maybe a quarterback won't go in the in the top fifteen. Seattle is definitely a team that people have. Uh, have mocked quarterback too. I guess the other one would be the Panthers. Panthers are absolutely taking Kenny Pickett. I, I think you can like lock that in. I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have to. That, that makes sense. Matt Rule has to. He needs a quarterback. Maybe Malik Willis will be there because all these teams have a couple first round picks next year. So uh anyway. But anyway, yeah, but like looking to next year, that's a that's a that's a concern. And that's also even more of a concern if you actually were to use all three picks this year and didn't get yeah. one. Because then like you don't stay at a chance at that point. Because then you only have one and all these other teams have two already. Mm-hmm. So uh yeah. So that's something that a long term thing that I think about. But that's all right because maybe it'll work out. Um any I guess that was your final thought, Jimmy. So any final final thoughts? Any final final <laughs> thoughts? Do you have any final thoughts? Uh no, none for now. Um everyone be nice to each other. That's a nice thing too, I yeah, think. That's good. And on really altruistic of me. Um after just, we just bashed the Eagles for the last hour and a half. <laughs> yeah. Well like, <laughs> hey, look, I think we're fair. Uh I think we yeah, yeah. you know we praise some things too. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's all nuanced. They're in the middle. They're not the worst team. They're not a disgrace, but it's just, you know, it's kinda tough to be in the middle. Um all right. This has been BGN Radio, episode two forty two. I've been Brandon Lee Gowton. That's been Jimmy Kemsky. Check out my work at Bleeding Green Nation. Follow me on Twitter at Brandon Gowton and Instagram at Brandon Gowton. Jimmy Kemsky on Twitter at Jimmy Kemsky, his work, phillyvoice.com. You can check out BGN Radio sponsors by going to Righteous Felon Craft Jerky using discount code, or sorry, RighteousFelon.com. It is Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. Discount code BGN15 for 15% off your order. Same discount code works at WildNaturePet.com. BGN15 for 15% off. Maybe I'm going to have to go get some treats for Duncan's because he's been a pretty good boy outside of, you know, protecting me earlier on and uh, wanting to make his voice heard. So he's been really good. Uh, check out Christian Roach of Roach Realtors by going to RoachRealtors.com. Or if you're looking to buy, sell, or rent a house, you want to use the following phone number to contact her via text or call. 
856-906-9295. So go do all that. Make sure you subscribe to BGN Radio. Leave a rating and review. We're going to get around to reading some of those. I know we're behind on that. I always say that, but we will get around to reading some of those soon. We're legally obligated to do so. So we'll be doing that in an upcoming episode. Um, make sure you're checking out the SB Nation NFL show, which is ramping up with our, you know, our draft coverage with the draft. It's less than four weeks away, Jimmy. It's April 28th, it? yeah, I, I believe. Right. I think it was yeah. four weeks exactly from yesterday on Thursday. Okay. So uh, at the end of the month here, it'll be here before we know it. It's exciting. It's an exciting for all the negative things we said about the Eagles. It's exciting time. They got three first round picks. We'll see what they do with them. So uh, we'll very much have uh, a ton of draft coverage for you coming up. So don't miss it. Make sure you subscribe to the Bleed Your Nation podcast feed so you don't. All right, Jimmy, I'll see you next week. Goodbye, everybody. BGN.